Hi, I'm Phil Valdez, the lead pastor of Passion Life Church here in Marietta, California. I just wanted to take a moment and thank you for listening to these messages that are coming out of our church. If these messages have impacted your life, we'd love to hear from you. You could send us an email at contact at passionlifechurch.com. That's contact at passionlifechurch.com. Again, thanks for listening. Well, welcome to part three of a series we've entitled, This is the Victory. Good morning, Passion Life Church. How are you doing this morning? You're doing good? You're doing good? Let's turn to our, our, our theme scripture, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. This series is all about faith. You remember, even George Michael said, you have to have faith, the faith, the faith. Even he said that. And, uh, and uh, that's, that's not even the Bible. That's just George Michael. But let's look at the Bible in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. This is our theme scripture. It says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Come on, Passion Live Church. Let's all say this scripture together. Are you ready? One, two, three. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So we're learning about faith. Why? We overcome through faith. And we're talking about how faith is developed. We're talking about um, how to use our faith. You know, as a child of God, we are empowered to overcome. How many of you have learned, though, that sometimes life just doesn't go the way that you thought it would go? Sometimes in life, you know what happens is things don't go the way we thought. Maybe you're in a place right now where you just kind of feel like, hey, I'm just not where I need to be. And I got to tell you something. We are empowered to overcome. Why? Because God gives us faith. He gives us faith to overcome. But I think what happens is because of life and sometimes we get hurt with people. You know, some of us have been even abused by people, hurt by people. Some of us have been diagnosed with things from the doctor. And when they said the diagnosis, man, it was kind of life changing. And I got to tell you this though, I think there, we just kind of can believe that we're just supposed to settle in, just cope with stuff and uh, just kind of, you know, well, Pastor Phil, I just got to tolerate it. And I got to cope with it. No, you don't have to tolerate it. You don't have to just cope with it. You can, according to 1 John 5, 4, you can overcome it in Jesus' name because you are a child of God. And I don't know if you know this, maybe you haven't been reading your word or maybe you haven't been coming to church for a long time, but our God is an overcomer and he wants his children to overcome. And you know, I know people who have been hurt or maybe even right now you're going through a divorce or you're listening online and things aren't just where that you thought they would be. And man, somebody's really hurt you. And I want to tell you today that God, God can heal you and you can love again. You can have financial stability again. You can be healed. You can be whole and you can overcome in Jesus name. Do we have any overcomers in the house? You know why? Because faith believes before it sees. And today what I want to do, I've simply entitled today's message, Get up. Would you say that with me? Get 
up, one of the things that I have found throughout Scripture is faith will make you get up. Did you bring your Bibles today to church? Turn to John chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to read. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. We're going to put it on the screen for you so you can see. We're going to look at a man who had some setbacks in his life. He overcame, he got up, and I believe that it is God's will that you get up. I know that why this morning, I didn't realize it, why a lot of the men are smiling today. They're smiling today because football has begun. Come on, somebody. Preseason has begun. And I'm going to tell you something that makes me a little ticked off. It's a little hard to have family unity in our family when my seven-year-old son likes a different football team than his dad, okay? And so today, it just so happens, his team, I don't know why he's picked the Atlanta Falcons, but I think it has to do with Nintendo and Captain Falcon that he likes. Anything Falcon, he's like, there's a team called the Atlanta Falcons. I think maybe he thinks Captain Falcon plays on that team. But today, just so happens, the Atlanta Falcons is playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we're going to watch him, and uh, I'm going to try to not push him off the couch. Come on, somebody. <laughs> In love. But, you know, one of the things that I've... I've noticed about sports, and if you watch sports anytime, anytime one of the players is hurt or down on the field, it's like everybody stops. Some people pray, but you know what happens in the crowd? The crowd looks down to the field, and here's the question that everybody asks. Is he going to get up? And you notice that when a player gets up on his own accord, or even if the people have to pick him up, the crowd goes wild and they begin to clap and say, he got up. And I want you to know that all of heaven and all of hell is looking at your situation and where you're at. And the question is, will you get up? Because heaven is on your side today and I'm on your side today. And I'm here to tell you, get up. And we're we're going to look at a man who has been crippled, not being able to walk, and he has an encounter with Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 1. If you found it, say, woohoo. Oh, you guys sound so good. I love you guys. All y'all said, join the worship team. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Everybody say that with me. Say Bethesda. And having five porches. In these lay a multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred the water. Then whoever stepped in, the, uh, who stepped in first, the stirring of the water was made well of whoever, of whatever disease that he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. So how long did he have this infir thir in, in the infirmity? 38 years. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already had been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made whole? And the sick man answered him, sir... 
I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Can I give you the Phil Valdez translation? Get up. Get up. Up and immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. What an incredible miracle that he, this man, would overcome after 38 years. 38 years is a long time to have a problem. I remember when my wife was pregnant for nine months. She was pregnant for nine months. And I remember closer to the nine-month mark, she was like, this baby needs to get out. This baby needs to get out. And she was tired of not being able to sleep. She was tired of uh, her back hurting and all of these different things. And that was just a nine-month period. Can you imagine 38 years of being crippled, being disabled, and this man could not move. He could not move by himself. He could not move in his own or by his own strength. Can I just say it this way? He was stuck. He had to rely on other people. He was stuck. And I wonder today, how many of us feel stuck? We feel like there's just no momentum in our lives. We just don't feel like we're moving forward. And he felt stuck. And you know what? Some of us can feel that way. And you know, the Bible doesn't say how it happened. The Bible doesn't say if he was crippled from birth or he had this disability from birth, but now we understand that it's gone on for 38 years. And I thought about, you know, that's kind of how life is, isn't it? Sometimes have you ever looked back and you really don't know how you got to where you got to? You just kind of like, wow, I, di I didn't know. And I, I didn't know how, what led, what uh, sequence of events led to where I'm at today. But here I am. Here you are. And you're like, this is not where I wanted to be. And I could just imagine what he feels like because some of us in life can feel that. You're stuck and you need a miracle. But guess what happens? He has a moment. He has a moment with Jesus. And that's my church family and my friends. That's what we need. We just need one moment with Jesus that can change 38 years of being disabled. And if you're taking notes today, I want to just give you three things that I've learned about problems. Number one, the longer a problem persists, persists the more discouraged we become. Have you learned that yet? That as long as it keeps going on, man, we can just become discouraged. And some of us, we, we have an ongoing problem in our life. It's like, and maybe that's, we're in a marriage that it just feels like it's stuck and it's just not moving forward. You pray or maybe you've gone to counseling and man, you, you're still in a bad marriage. Or maybe it's a physical problem. Maybe it's a physical disability, an emotional thing that you're going through. And you went to the doctor and then another one, you prayed and you just feel discouraged. And there are some of us in here that things have gone on not just 20 months, but 20 years. And we've had the same thing, the same problem. And one thing I've learned about problems is the longer the problem persists, 
the more discouraged we can become. And here's another thing I've learned, number two, about problems. The, more, the longer the problem persists, let me say it this way, the longer a problem persists, number two, the more excuses we tend to make. You know, the longer it persists, we begin to start making excuses. You know, that's what this man did in verse 7. If you go to verse 7, it says this, because Jesus was talking with him, and he says, do you want to be well? And the man says, look, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. And when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another one steps in before me. So really? Really, you're saying you have gotten to the place where you get close to the pool, but you just haven't been the first to the pool. But I don't know about you, but I'm always that kind of guy that says, what can I do? Man, if I've got to scooch, I'm going to scooch. If I have to do the worm, come on, somebody, I'm going to do the worm, but I'm going to get into the pool. If i got to wiggle, I'm going to wiggle it. Come on, wiggle it just a little bit. Come on. Let me see you wiggle it. I'm going to scooch. I'm going to do. Come on. This is real life, church. Come on. You can laugh in church. Some of you pretend like you never heard that song. Yeah, sure. Don't look at me like you're Snow White. I know. We're forgiven. But we still know that song. But I'm still going to do whatever I can to get into the pool. But here's one of the things I've learned. Blaming other people will always keep you stuck. Nobody ever wins in the blame game. And I think about my life. I think how many people I could have blamed. Well, this is the reason why I turned out the way I am. And this is the reason why. And this is the reason why I can't. And you know what? The longer a problem persists, the more discouraged we become, the more excuses we tend to make. And can I just say, you can always hear excuses in people. And let me tell you how they sound. I can't do that. No, I can't. You know what? I don't think so. I just don't think. I just, I can't. But you know what? Faith says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Faith says, I believe so. I believe it. I believe I can. I can do it. Come on. That's what faith says. But when I start hearing, I can't listen, I I start telling my son, I'm trying to teach my son. And I was telling my wife the other night is like, man, life is just so crazy. And I pray for my son and I pray for the wisdom. I need to train up my son to deal with the stuff that's going on in the world. The world is a crazy place. Some people are just going cray-cray. Come on. And how do we deal with this? And how, and how do I show my son to have some critical thinking and thinking the right way? But you know what I've learned about my son at seven years old is I'm teaching him how to tie his shoe. I'm teaching him. And here's what he says, Dad, I can't. I can't tie my shoes. Now, see, there's a difference between can't and won't. And we're teaching my son, you got to try. you got to keep trying. You can. And you know what? With God's help, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But I came today to try to stir you to get up because I know people who don't even want to try anymore. And it's always I can't. There's a difference between I can't and I won't. But see, here's what I found out. If you would, you could. If you could make a decision to say, I'm going to do it, God will do what only he can do if you'll do what you can't do. And here's number three. See, longer, the longer the problem persists, the more we compensate for that problem. 
this man, his problem became his way of life. It became his way of life. See, and for some of us, we excel in compensating for these issues in our lives. I mean, we just know how to do it. We just know how to compensate. Maybe for some of us in our marriage, it's just not where we need to be. Well, we're just going to stay together for the kids. We're going to compensate. We're stuck. You know what? We're just going to accept it. This is just kind of the way that it is. We're just going to, you know, coexist together. We'll just manage the situation. Maybe for some other people, it's some type of addiction. And in reality, now you, it runs your life. It's a part of your life. For some of us, it's something totally different. It's overspending. We constantly overspend. So we compensate for it. We live paycheck to paycheck and it's been happening for years. And here's what people say. They always say this. Well, next month it will be different. Can I just tell you the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. You, if you want to do something or go somewhere you've never been, you have to do something you've never done before. You got to make that move. In my church family, let me just tell you, it's time for change. It's time for change in the house of God. It's time for change in our community. It's time for change in our nation. Now more than ever, we need people to love and we need people to be the light of Jesus Christ in our nation. Come on. Can I get more than two people agreeing with me today? We need to get up. We need to start doing something for Jesus. But you know what? Change will happen first when we encounter Jesus. This is what happens with this guy. He's crippled. And you know what? He has an encounter with Jesus. And here's what I want to do today. Because faith will make you give, get up. Would you say that with me? Say, get up. Yeah. Faith will make you get up. Let me give you three things that I've learned about faith and how it'll make you get up. Here's number one. You, God, you, God, God cannot change what we are willing to tolerate. Let me say this again. Let me say it this way. You cannot change what you are not willing to confront in your life. You know, that's why Jesus asked this guy this question. Think about this. This is, to me, is so interesting. He asks him this question, and I think this is a question that you and I need to answer. Jesus asked him this question. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Now watch this. The Bible says, as Jesus came, he saw the man at the pool. He knew his condition, and yet he still asked him this question. Do you want to be made well? Listen, Jesus saw him at the pool, knew his condition, and still asked him this question. Do you want to be made well? Why are you saying that, Pastor Phil? Because many people don't understand because they say this. Pastor Phil, I know God sees me. I know he knows my condition. Why doesn't anything happen? Because Jesus is going to ask you the same question he's going to ask them. Just because he sees you and knows your condition, he wants to know this question. Do you want to be made well? 
Why? Because I don't know if you've ever encountered this, but just because a person looks like they need help doesn't mean they want help. Can I tell you my story about being chewed out by a homeless guy? We were going to eat after church. I was getting out of my truck and I was approached by a man. And he said, you know, hey, um, do you think you could, you could uh, help? Could you just turn me down just a little bit, please? I appreciate that. He said, um, hey, could you help me out? And I, I, I don't hardly ever carry cash, to be honest with you. I always just carry my cards. And, uh, and so he said, could you help me? And here's what I always ask people. And I learned it from Jesus. What do you need? He said, because if he needs a cigarette, I can't help him. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? If he needs a little, I, I, don't, I don't have any of that stuff. So I can't help you. You know what I mean? The, the hibachi or what do you call it? Hashish or whatever herbs or I don't know what you call that stuff. Whatever you call it, I don't got it. So I just need to know what do you need. I don't have, I don't have alcohol. I, what do you need? And here's what he said. I need some money to get something to eat. I said, sir, I don't have money. And I looked through my cards and I said, you know what? But I'll give you this Starbucks card. Now, you need to know something. For me to give away a Starbucks card, that's a lot. <laughs> Had $20 that somebody gave me for my birthday. I was excited about my birthday Starbucks. But you know what I looked at? I had $20 as full, and there was a Starbucks right there. He could have walked, and I said, sir, this has $20 on it. You could go right over there, and you could get yourself Starbucks sells. And I kind of know almost the whole menu. And I said, you know, you can, you can uh, get, uh, they sell sandwiches now, and there's this new egg and chorizo. Oh, come on, somebody, that they have. And, it's, and I'm just going through, and you can get coffee. You could probably buy about four meals. And he looked at me, and he said, I don't want that. And I looked around. And I didn't try to take it personal because I love Starbucks. And I cannot understand how nobody would not want that. But that's okay. I'm in love. So my lightning fast mind looked behind me and there was an Italian restaurant. Italian restaurant. I said, sir, there's an Italian restaurant right here. Um, I will gladly take you in. Let's get you some food. I don't want none of that. He looked at me and he walked off. See, not everybody that you think needs help wants help. And so Jesus asked this question that almost seems cruel. Do you want to be made well? And here's the question you're going to have to answer. Do you want to be made well? And let me tell you why, my church family. Because being made well and being healed is a totally different life change. I had a conversation with a, a, a elderly woman one time and I was talking about if I could pray with her for her healing. And she said, yeah, you know, that would be good, but it really doesn't make a difference to me. She says, I, I honestly, I, I kind of like where I'm at right now. Kind of like where you're at right now. Listen, listen, I want you, you think I make these stories up, but I, I pray maybe one day God will have you be a pastor and bless you with that, that anointing so you can hear some of these incredible stories. She said, yeah, I don't, I don't, she said, if I get healed, I'm going to have to give up my handicap sticker. I can't park in front of Walmart anymore because I'm going to have to give up the sticker. That's what healing means. 
So you're not going to give up your privileges. Can I just tell you, there are so many privileges with being healed. You're worried about a stinking parking spot and a handicap sticker. Not everybody that looks like they need help wants help. And that's why Jesus asked this question. You know what else it means? It means that people aren't going to pity you anymore. What do you mean, Pastor Phil? You don't love people? I love people that are sick. I love and have compassion for them. But you know what? I do know that there are some who love the attention. That's all they talk about is their sickness. And healing coming to them means they're a whole new lifestyle. A whole new way of dealing with people. And Jesus asked this loaded question. Do you want to be healed? I find this perplexing. Jesus, in Mark chapter 10, verse 51, walks up to a blind man and says this. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Duh, Jesus. But you know what? The blind man could have said, well, my back's been hurting. Can you heal my back? And maybe he had faith for his back, but not faith for his eyes. But Jesus asks the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? I had a mentor in my life say this to me. Specific prayers get specific answers. And he said, I want to see. And his sight was restored to him. And Jesus, and let me ask you, if Jesus were to look you in the face today and say, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? Isn't this interesting? During the offering, we talked about how Jesus is a servant. Here he comes to a blind man and he's basically saying, what do you want me to do for you? And if Jesus were to ask you that question, some of us would probably get a little spiritual and go, well, you know, heal, heal, uh, you know, the people over here. And what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, I want to see, I want to see. And instantly he saw. Can I ask you, my church family, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Because if you're going to want to be well, here's what happened. You're going to have to deal with the problem head on. Head on. See, too many people, they babysit their problems. It's my problem. This is my problem. We nurse our hurts. <laughs> Problems get bigger. It's my problem. It's my problem. That's not how you deal with problems, because let me just tell you this. If you don't deal with problems, usually they don't go away. They get bigger. So what you have to do is you have to hit them head on and say, you know what? I want to be well, and I'm going to get up. My church family, in order for us to get up, listen to this, our desire must be greater than our disability. Let me say that again. Our desire must be greater than our disability. But for many of us, the disability has diminished the desire. And this man wanted to walk after 38 years of not 
walking, you can look in the Bible. You see people breaking through crowds to get to Jesus. A woman with an issue of blood broke through the crowd and touched him. Jesus was doing a life group at a person's house. And these guys bring up a paralytic onto the roof, tear the roof off the place. And Jesus says something so amazing. He says, I see their faith. Why? Because they were moving. Faith has action. Faith moves. But you know what? They're desire was greater than their disability. And at some point in your heart, that desire has to be greater than your disability. Can I just encourage you to talk more about your desire and about your disability? And I'm going to talk about that another time. But you know what? We need to have our desire be greater than our disability. Are you glad you came to church today? Here's number two. We're talking about getting up. Number two, faith in God's word will take you beyond the familiar. I think one of our biggest obstacles to our faith is just the familiar. Well, it's, you know, Pastor Phil, we just kind of always done it this way. Uh, you know, it's like, did you ever hear that story about the mom who she's about to cook the turkey and she cut off a part of the legs of the turkey and put it in the pan and her husband said, why are you cutting off the, you know, the, the little legs on the side there of the, of the turkey? And she says, I don't know. My mom always did that. She calls her mom and, hey, mom, my husband asked me an interesting question. Why are we cutting the little parts at the end there? You know, she's like, you know what? I, I don't know. My, my mom always did that. And so she calls, uh, mom, she's like, uh, why did you always cut those little part at the end of the turkey off? And grandma says, because it didn't fit in the pan. And sometimes we adopt these things and faith is going to take you beyond the familiar. My church family, this is what I love. Jesus said seven words to the crippled man. Rise, listen, rise, take up your bed and walk. In other words, get up. And in Jesus's words, they were infused with power. He got up based on what Jesus said. Peter walked on water based on what Jesus said. Jesus said a couple of words to Peter. Listen, take courage, guys. It is I. Peter's like, if that's you, Jesus, can I come out in the water? Jesus is come. And do you know that Peter stepped out of the boat, stepped out of the familiar. Peter didn't walk on the water. Peter walked on the word of what Jesus said. And if you're going to get up, you're going to have to get up on his word. His word. He's good. You're going to have to get up on his word. And do you know what? What is going to be your response to his word? I just think about it. I think about Jesus talking to a crippled guy, telling him to get up, and people around him going, Jesus, that's cruel, man. That's, that's just, you're telling a guy who's never walked to get up? That's what faith does. Faith takes you beyond the familiar. You know what I love? The Bible says, because Jesus is still healing people by his word today. You know, Psalms 107.20 says this. He sent his, what is that? Come on, say it loud. He sent his What? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Today, my church family, get a word from God for your situation. That word will help you get unstuck. That word will help you get up. Come on, somebody. And I think the challenge for us today and in our culture today is that we don't know God's 
word. We're biblically illiterate. We don't know the word. But when you understand that Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk, that means you can walk and you can take his word to the bank because his word never returns void. Never. Never. Do you know that his, God is so committed to his word? So committed. His word is his bond. He says that he exalts his word above his name. In other words, if my word does not come to pass, then I am not who I say I am. God cannot lie. My question, my church family, to us is how are we going to respond to God's word? How are you going to respond? See, Pastor Phil, well, you know, you see, you don't understand. I, I, I'm just an average person. I've always been average. I've been average since the second grade. And I know that today I'm still an average person. You know, I have no idea, Pastor Phil. Our family, we've always struggled financially for years. My parents struggled financially. My great-parents, uh, you know, they went through the depression. We, 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 we suffered financially. You don't understand. I've tried to overcome, but I can just not overcome. Isn't it amazing that we just tend to be more comfortable with the known than becoming uncomfortable with the unknown? My church family, it's time for change. It's time for you to plant a new tree in the family tree. It's time for God to begin to use you. Just because your family has always struggled being poor doesn't mean that you have to struggle. You can overcome because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And Jesus' words, and I think we need to know this when we talk about his words. Jesus' words are always about believing in what could be. Not just accepting things the way they are. Now, let me just tell you something. Faith is not denying that you have problems. Oh, I had no problems. I had, no, you, we, we got problems. We understand that. But faith begins to believe what could be. I, I imagine this crippled man thinking many days, what would it be like if I could move myself? What would it be like? Can you imagine watching other people walk by? Can you imagine begging and having to beg and just sitting there begging as people are moving and you can't move? This pool is being stirred up and you can't get in. Other people are being blessed and you just sit there. My church family, faith is about what can be, what your marriage can be, what your finances can be. Come on, somebody, what your relationships can be, what your business can be. Come on, what you can be through Christ. But we just tend to be comfortable with what we know. And you know, here's what Jesus said, get up. You know what Jesus was saying? You're going to need to take a bold step of faith. <laughs> no pun intended. A bold step. And what did Jesus say to the crippled man? Listen to this, my church family. Jesus said, rise up and walk. Actually, he said this, rise up, take up your mat and walk. In other words, get away from this place that was designated for sick people, 
You know, get off this beggar's mat that has defined you. Get up, get away from all of these things that you thought defined you. Here's, I know there's all these sick people here. Some are lame, some are crippled, some are feeble. And this is where they all hang out. You need to get up and you need to start moving. This is no longer your identity. And you know what happens? He gets up. And he's done something that he's never done before in 38 years. My church family, that's what faith will do in your life. Faith will give you a, a marriage that you never dreamed that you could have. Faith will move you into a level that you, even your education can't compete with. Because my church family, when you have faith, here's the reality. You start doing things you've never done before. You start doing things you couldn't do before. And our identity as uh, children of God is an identity of an overcomer through faith in Jesus Christ. And faith will always take you beyond the familiar. But can I just say this this morning? We gotta be careful that we just don't buy into this and take on these labels of, like I said, well, you know, our family, this is kind of just how we've been. It's how it's always been. So we succumb to that. And my church family, you're gonna have to guard your heart. And I want you to hear me today in all love, in all, and I think it needs to be said, right? There's a lot going on in our culture today. And, and there are people saying things and doing things, and you're gonna have to make a decision to know what the truth is and not let that ugly stuff get inside of you. And I've actually heard people say this, and they're starting to perpetuate this whole thing. I've heard somebody say this the other day. They said, well, you know what? Uh, a majority of Americans, are racist. I heard this and I thought, a majority? I even heard somebody say, all America. All America? I'm part of America and I'm not racist. And let me just say this because you need to hear me say this. Racism is a sin. Racism needs to be detested on every single level, my church family. The Bible says, and just because a person says that they are a Christian, let me just tell you this. Me walking into McDonald's does not make me a Big Mac. Me walking in your garage doesn't make me a car. The Bible says that they will know us by our love. They will know us that we are his, that his disciples by what? Our love. So don't, just because somebody says something, well, I'm a Christian. Listen, if you have hate in your heart, you need to deal with it. And listen, let's, not be, let's just not be surprised. We see hate in the Bible all over the place. You actually see it in the very beginning of time in Genesis chapter 4. Cain killed his brother. And so hate is wrong, it's sinful, and it needs to be detested. And I'm going to say it again. Hate is wrong, it's sinful, and it needs to be detested. I'm going to say it one more time so there's no misunderstanding of Pastor Phil's platform. Hate is wrong, and it needs to be detested, and it's sinful. It's wrong. Now listen. But people are starting to say, well, our country is this. Can I just tell you? If you start get letting that stuff get inside you, you need to guard your heart. I started to think about, wow, our whole country is racist? Where have these people been the last eight years? I don't know about them, but I do know that for the last eight years, we've had an African-American president. And for us to say that the whole country is racist, so the country that was racist, people voted for an African-American president, that does not make sense to me. You know what? 
You can say a majority, you can say whatever you want, but let me say this, you cannot say all of us because there are good people. There are people who love God. There are people who love their brothers and their sisters. There are people who love everyone who doesn't matter the color of their skin. There are people and you're looking at one of them. So you cannot include me in your conversation. Why am I saying this? Because you better be careful because now they're starting to say everybody's this way. Everybody. No, you need to guard your heart because everybody is not that way. Some are. And let me, let me, let me, I want you to hear me say it. Some are and they're wrong because racism is wrong. But there's a very thin line when you start to believe what everybody else is saying. And you better be careful because then it starts to get in you. And guess what? That's how it starts. And you need to guard your heart. And so you know what I do? I make it a point every day to smile at people, love people. Because you know what? Jesus in me is the difference. But before you start saying everyone, be careful because it's not everyone. And if you walk around as a Christian and let that stuff start to get into you, well, everybody is. No, everybody is not. Those people are liars who are saying that. Because there are some great people in America who love God and love others. And what a small majority of people do, let's not say everybody's doing it. Let's call it for what it is. There are people who are racist and they are wrong and they are sinful and it needs to be detested. I thought I'd get a better amen than that today. Why am I saying that? Because we buy into stuff. Our family's like this. We like this. No, you are the difference. And faith is going to take us beyond that. You know what the Bible says? Faith works by love, my church family. Faith works by love. And you know what? I don't care if people love me or not. That does not set how I love people. It's easy to love people who love you. But the Bible says, you want to know when you're flowing in God's spirit and God's flowing through you, you love people even when they don't love you. He says the world can even love people that love them, hang out with them, same color as them. That's easy. But you know what? The world, when they see us loving people who don't even love us, they see a picture of who Jesus is. Whoo, hallelujah. And that's what the world needs. Come on, somebody. Let's be the difference. Can I have a good amen today? Let's be the difference. Let's be the difference. Let's love everybody. Let's love, even if they don't want to be loved, just love them. Just love them and show them who Jesus is. This is bigger than your personality. This is bigger than your pride. This is about Jesus and showing the world who Jesus is. And let me just tell you something this morning. I love you. And if there's stuff in your heart that's going on, help us. Let's pray for you. Let's help you. Because you know what? The Bible says God is love. Amen, Pastor Phil. You're preaching good. It's all right. If you don't amen me, I'll amen myself. I love you even if you don't love me. But I still love you. I'll give you a hug. Come on, somebody. Hugs, not drugs. Here's number three. <laughs> and here's the last one for today. Number three. When you get up, I'll, this is my favorite point. Here's number three. What was once your greatest misery will one day be your greatest ministry. I want you to think about this. That Matt identified him as a beggar as a person who was disabled. And he got up 
because of what Jesus said. And now he picks up his mat. I just think about this. My memory and my imagination is so vivid because the miracle for this guy, he's now carrying what used to carry him. This is what faith will do. When you start to overcome what used to control you, guess what? Now is under control. Because faith will cause you to carry the mat that you used to depend on. And I can just imagine him walking through the mall with his mat. And people are like, hey, that's the mat. Beggars use that mat. Hey, is that, that's John. Hey, look at him. He's not, he's not crippled anymore. He's carrying the mat. What would that be like for you? See, because here's the reality. Your weakness starts to become your witness. I love this. My greatest ministry has been to people who have gone through a divorce and have never met their dad. People who have been adopted. That's been my greatest ministry. Why? Because that was my greatest weakness. I've never met my father. My parents went through a divorce. But you know what? I knew that the Bible said that with faith I could overcome. Some psychologists say that people never recover from divorce. Well, I got to tell you you with God's help I have recovered and not only am I recovered but my weakness now has become a witness to other people and encouraging other people and let me just say faith is not a respecter of persons if you'll have faith you too my church family can overcome but here's what you're gonna have to do you're gonna have to get up let me say it again you're gonna have to get up you're gonna have to get up it's time to get up up and get off the mat and stop with the excuses, stop the blame game and take Jesus's word and said, if you said it, I can be it. And I'm going to walk in Jesus name. Come on. Would you get up and stand up today and let's give him a great round of applause. Come on, somebody. If these messages have blessed you, we'd love for you to consider helping us take these messages to the world by giving a financial contribution. And you can do that at passionlifechurch.com. Click on the giving button and select the giving option that works best for you. Again, thanks for listening. If you're ever in the Marietta, California area, come join us. We'd love to see you. We'll make you feel right at home. Thanks again and God bless.